0: Howdy, y'all. If you believe that we can build a healthier, safer, cleaner world, then you are the Clean Republic. Before COVID, Clean Republic had already received an EPA endorsement for their disinfectants and sanitizers that safeguard you and fight against SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, MRSA, and norovirus. When commercial cleaning companies, spas, and high-traffic businesses began asking for the same medical-grade cleaning products that hospitals used, Clean Republic delivered. Clean Republic, all for clean, clean for all. Love it. Let's do the show. Welcome in, guys south of scruffy podcast my name is ben fields i am your host and i'm so glad that you guys are here super grateful that you're spending this time with me thank you all so much i've got brad carpenter on the show today brad carpenter is a screenwriter he's an on-air tv personality he's a stand-up comic and he's a marketing creative with design sensory ad agency brad and i go way back um He and I have gotten along famously well since we first met nearly 30 years ago. Uh, We've lived somewhat parallel lives and had pretty similar career arcs uh, since we met back in the third grade. We got into some really fun stuff here on the podcast, a bit of a catch-up session. Uh, We uh, got into the years that we overlapped in L.A. in the early 2000s and just a lot of other fun stuff beyond that. I hope you guys enjoy our chat. So let's go ahead and do it. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Brad Carpenter. We're doing the podcast. Let's
1: just talk about drugs the whole time. Just an hour of drugs and Brad. I told you my grandmother
0: listens to this. She's my dealer. It's, it's fine. <laughs> hi nana <laughs> dude something that like I, I i realize a lot of people don't know you and i are like way back buddies how long have we known each other since 93 jeez believe. we went we were in third grade together ada hall's class yep a, a, exactly at al lots the <laughs> yeah. first year of al lots the first right? year of al lots yeah and and you and i were in the leopards a, right i think <laughs> i think it was halfway through the year when we finally picked a mascot for that yep. for that school okay do you remember the story?
1: I was telling my kids a story because they now go to lots Oh, full circle. Is
0: your statue up over there yet?
1: <laughs> or, it, it needs to be like, let's, let's do a go, fund me after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, a Brad and Ben statue for lots. Exactly. So do you remember this? You probably don't. Cause I don't know why I remember this, but they, they needed a mascot. And so they were asking all of the grades to come up with the mascot. I remember. And you and I on the playground Came up with all these L words, and we decided on lunatics. Did we really? And we got everyone in our class to vote lunatics. We're against, ringleaders, kind of, against our teacher's wishes. Mm-hmm. Lunatics won by a landslide. Yeah, the teacher looks at it and says,
0: "Nope, leopards." And that's and that's, <laughs> that's it? what won. God, <laughs> see, that's great. Yeah. Sometimes you have to just put like a turd out there for yeah. people to to to, to dislike, <laughs> and then the next thing, it doesn't have to be a lot better. It just you know has to be not lunatics, and you'll be okay. <laughs> Man, ninety three. Ninety three is when we met. It's nice. We, we we were we were instant friends too. We really were. We was, were we were best buddies.
1: Like I just remember year. I just remember going home and be like, Mom, I made my best friend. Yeah, and she was like, Great. And we we hung out at Smokey's games. Uh huh.
0: We did like church events. Yeah. We did a, we did a lot of stuff together. We did, and then we never saw each other again until <laughs> you started working at Design Center.
1: <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> We you went to you went to Bearden. And I went to Farragut. Uh huh. So we
0: just went our separate yeah, ways. We did, yeah. And then I saw you in California for a little bit. Did we? Maybe once or twice. Yeah, I think so. So we moved to L.A. at the same time, right? Or close. I moved there in 04, and you were very closely after that. Yeah, I, I moved to 05. Yeah, so you were there yeah. right after me, and, me. Me and Cody Sirio. Shout out, Cody. I love Cody. God. Cody was Cody was my buddy in school, in, in yeah. middle school. Oh, yeah, you and Cody, Cody were buddies. Yeah, we were, we were good buddies. Yeah. You guys moved out to L.A. together? Yeah. Cody was Cody is like my brother. I know really? he has his
1: own brothers. Yeah. and But Cody and I are just like... He is more than a friend. He's my brother.
0: Well, you guys moved out to LA together when you were 20. We just decided to go for it. Yeah. That's what I did too. Yeah.
1: We just, we didn't, I mean, we, we planned on it. We went Uh to visit once, but then after we went to visit, we were like, this is going to happen. Yeah. And Cody was like, I have no money. And I was like, "Mm, I've
0: got a thousand dollars. Let's just go. I think that's what I had when I moved to LA too, which was about a month's worth of rent
1: it didn't even cover a month's rent. Nope. And this was this was in 05.
0: Yeah, I know. There was right after a huge housing boom out there. Everything yeah. tripled. I right think around. our
1: our first rent in Glendale, California, next to the mall where they filmed Terminator
0: mm. 2. Yeah, the big mall in yeah. Glendale. Yeah.
1: Our first month's rent was um 1200.
0: Is that where you guys moved first when you moved out there? Yep. Yeah, I was in Eagle Rock, so I wasn't far away. Oh, it's really close. At the time. Maybe that's why I saw you out there. I know that I hooked up with you guys a couple times. You were working yeah. at like Love Sack or something. Oh my
1: gosh, yes. You're yes. working in the at
0: the Glendale Mall?
1: I bet I forgot about that. Really? <laughs>
0: yes. Oh my god. I did too until right
1: now. Oh my god. Yes, yeah, so Cody and I were walking through the Glendale Mall. We just got back from the beach and we just looked like surfer bros. Yeah. We were just all just golden tan. Yeah. We hadn't showered in days. Yeah. And somebody was like you're perfect for LoveSack, and they literally came up and hired us on the spot. Really? Yeah, they were hard up. <laughs> like, okay, we work at LoveSack now. Yeah, I think I lasted there for two weeks.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I, <laughs> that's why you don't remember it, yeah. right? Yeah, two weeks, a, maybe, maybe a month, a blip.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember it at all. I
0: remember right after you guys got out there, it was like that was your first job, right? Well, see, I I made a lot of money serving. Mm. And some
1: people can't serve. Some people can't bartend. Like it's not for them. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I love it too. I loved it. It's, a people, was, it's a people game. I was really f- freaking good at it. Yeah. Like I was m- making so much money as a 17 year old kid at Cracker Barrel. Yeah. And so I was like, when I go to LA, I'm going to, I'm going to bartend and, and yeah. serve, but there's a waiting list. Oh so- yeah. It's a,
0: it's a coveted job. Well, <laughs> in Los Angeles, uh, servers get paid. Not server minimum mm-hmm. wage, but they get paid real minimum wage, right? Which out right. there it was it was seven or eight dollars at the time. I think it right? was seven seven fifty, right? And here servers make two dollars, two, two thirty yeah, two fourteen an hour, unbelievable, right? But but there it's 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 an actual job that you make tips on top of, yeah, well, a minimum wage that you actually make tips on top of. So it's a good, it's a decent gig. You can actually make a career out of it. Absolutely, and you did. did, I did for
1: years and years and years. Where'd I you mean, work?
0: I worked for the
1: longest time. I worked at Cheesecake Factory. Which one? Uh, My home store was Arcadia next to the Santa Anita racetrack. Did you take 134 all the way out there? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that was my home store, but I worked all over. I worked in um, Glendale again. I worked in Hollywood. I worked Santa Monica. Did you ever work at the one in Marina del Rey? A a couple of times. That one's crazy. It's got like three layers.
0: Yeah. Three levels? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a patio bar. Yeah. And sometimes it gets rowdy. I'm sure. <laughs> and so yeah, I it's, think, a, it's right on the, on the, on the marina, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. And I, I would have worked there as much as they wanted me to, but it's, it's very competitive. Mm, I and bet. Every, everybody wants to work there. Yeah. And so I just. Filled in a couple times. Every now and then they'd be like, yeah. Hey, he needs to go out there. There's one at Beverly center too, right? hmm yeah. 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 The Beverly centers. open. I don't know if it's open again. Oh, wow. Are they it still was, closed? it was closed for, for so long. Well, for
0: code stuff or for other no, stuff?
1: No, for construction.
0: Really? They mm-hmm. closed the whole thing? Oh, yeah. For, that's nuts, man. For, for forever. Man. Yeah. That that place is kind of cool, right? Like it's an awesome. outdoor open air mall. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. With a huge fountain yeah. in the middle of it. That's like the Bellagio. It's beautiful
1: over <laughs> yeah. there. Why'd you move to LA? Well, I thought I was going to be the next Spielberg. Oh really? Well, no, I mean, I don't know. I I sold, I lived in Los, and I lived in Knoxville, and I was writing screenplays. Ah. and I loved to write. Love always been always been a writer. Always good, been. I, thank you. I, I I love to write. I've I, directed your scripts. You have. Before. You have indeed. <laughs> 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 but I sold a script in '04. Okay, and I like sold it. Feature feature link. Yeah, it was screenplay? a feature link screenplay. Okay. I sold it in a pitch fest. Ah, I went out to LA. That wasn't when me and Cody visited. Yeah, I did a pitch fest. And they bought it. Wow! And I was like, "Oh, this is it! Whoops! I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, <laughs> I'm gonna win at life. I'm gonna go yeah. out to H- L.A. and I'm gonna be famous." Yeah, that didn't work out. But I did. I sold. The reality is, you can make a really good career just selling random things sure. and doing punch up, and that's what I did for so long. I was uh, you uh, talking about screenplays and, yeah. and scripts? Yeah, I did. The bartending so you can gig. sell ideas, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's really all I did, yeah. and I became honestly, I became a pitch guy too. Like, I worked for a marketing company who who would just do random random stuff. Mm. And then every now and then they say, Hey, we had this feature idea or this spec script that literally has nothing to it. It's just an idea and we have a star attached to it, which is
0: that's which is crazy that really is, is the dollar sign that, to um, people, right? That's really
1: Hollywood. Like they literally have no idea. Yeah. But Ash and Kutcher wants to do it. Right. So they say, we need somebody to come in and pitch it. And they would like, what is Brad doing? He works, he's he's really funny in a room He can come in and just say random dad jokes, Mm. punch up, tell an idea. Well, punch. That's, that's something different. This is pitching. And so I would just go in and pitch and they would just, they would give me 800 bucks just to pitch, just to pitch for like, I mean, one of my pitches was literally 10 minutes. It was an elevator pitch and they gave me 800 bucks. That's great. Yeah. It's pretty good hourly rate. And I, I, I'm like, I got so used to it. I never even followed up anymore. I was like, what do you mean? I I used to be like, did they sell? Did it it sell? Oh, but now you don't care. And then I just, I just stopped caring. I just, Mm. I got so jaded and so just used to just showing up, going Mm. into a room be like, Hey guys, telling just stupid jokes. And then be like, Oh yeah. What am I supposed to be here for? Oh yeah. I'm going to pitch something. And I would pitch something and then I'd be like, all right, well just call us if you have any questions. (laughs) And I was like, this is Gary. Gary
0: will take it from here. And I would just leave.
1: (laughs) You didn't care. I didn't care. You did the game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. cool. It was fun. It was yeah. it was really good. It was it was my skill set for sure. Yeah. And well, I remember when we met in 93 yeah. in Miss Ada Hall's third grade <laughs> class. Uh, that, uh, acting was your game. Oh yeah. Like you were, you were a working actor at that point. I was, I was yeah. in Bijou, the Bijou plays. so were you though, right? Yeah. I mean, not, not as much as you were at that point. I remember okay. you were the the elder, uh, you, you were the elder actor at that point. You had a lot more experience. I was like, so it's called residuals. you're like, <laughs> yeah, man, every time it plays, you get paid. And I was like, that's, that's killer. I was, I was like money. Yeah. yeah. Real money. You
1: knew me in third grade. Second grade was my year. Really, it was. It was the year of Brad. I made so much money in second grade. I was in random films. I did this Holson Holmes commercial. Oh yeah, it was. It was a, a talent track gig. Oh cool. They got me this. Shout gig. out
0: Charlotte and Janelle. <laughs>
1: and it, that that kept paying out
0: so much. Mailbox money.
1: It was. It was awesome.
0: It was awesome. <laughs> that's great. Yeah.
1: That's how I got my Super Nintendo.
0: I, <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> so I. I remember too, like, I think Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura was mm-hmm. big at the time. And I remember like some slapstick stuff was kind of yeah. your game. And I, and I was, and I was kind of trying to rip you off too. I was like, oh, he thinks this is funny. I, I, I'll i buy it. You know, I, I yeah, think Ace, it's physical stuff. Physical Ace, comedy's hilarious. It was Ace Ventura and
1: Jurassic Park. That was big. Mm-hmm. And so my whole thing was, I'm going to do a Jurassic Park joke.
0: As Jim Carrey. And that, that was my whole stick. I like it. <laughs> you know, that holds up. That probably yeah. play today. Yeah, it would. So when did you get uh, you grew up in Knoxville, right? Yeah. So how did you get into the uh, into the acting kind of world? What got you excited about that? Was it theater stuff or was it movies? Yeah, it was. I mean, I was I'm not very athletic, mm. you know, so. Your <laughs> parents do something. were like, get away from that Super Nintendo. You
1: got to do something. You got to do something, Brad. It's definitely not going to be on a ball field. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah. And so I was just like, let me audition for a play. And I was I was in second grade, and I did it. And it was the Ugly Duckling at the Bijou Theater. Oh, cool. Just a really random production, but we got to perform at the zoo. We got to perform at like we had to travel around. And I was like, oh, this is this is awesome. This is mm-hmm. what I want to do. And so from then on out, like if the Bijou needed a white kid which i needed a lot they would call me and be like audition and
0: you got it i would i would get the part yeah yeah so what'd your parents do were either of them in the arts or
1: no 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 mom and dad do um well my mom is uh she's a musician she's oh cool she plays the yeah i mean Hmm. she she plays the harp she plays the piano she plays the organ for churches cool yeah and she and she's really really talented at that but she's there's nobody, my mom and dad are not creative people. Mm. They're just people that sit down and do really cool things and are awesome at it. Yeah. But when it comes to being creative and coming, getting on stage, like my mom is an amazing musician, but she hates performing. Ah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And then I'm just not that way at all. Like, I just feel like, I need to be in front of people. Point doing, that camera at me real yeah, quick. I got I got something for you. I'll do something really dumb that <laughs> nobody else will do. Get a laugh or get a <laughs> or evoke an emotion. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about the horror show. I mean, I I, I used to do stand up, but I haven't done stand up in so long. I'm super rusty. But the zoo in Oxville reached out to me last about two weeks ago to ask to do to MC a show.
0: Mm,
1: a stand-up show. It was like just a little like a fundraiser. And okay. I was like, oh, no big deal. So I did it. There's always lines you have to learn. And I didn't learn any of them. Do you have a prompter? Yeah. So I was like, I'll be fine. Yeah. But what did you bomb? Oh, it was the bomb of all bombs. And
0: you've bombed before. So you I, know I don't, what bombing not I, like. I don't I
1: don't mind bombing. Bombing's yeah. fine. It's part of the learning process. Yeah. But there's a whole different level of bombing when it's not your material. Mm. And you're just reading off a prompter mm-hmm. and you're doing what other people tell you to do mm-hmm. in front of zero audience. It's just you and a camera and 60 different houses watching you because of covid yeah it's a different level of bombing yeah. and i'm not over it yet like somebody it, else's like stuff was,
0: you couldn't do it Who it was wrong it was <sighs> so bad i'm sorry were it's you okay. like uh yo yo semite yo yo <laughs> se, is, is that, is that kind of how it <laughs> yeah. went it was, somebody it was, else's stuff you didn't know how to pronounce it <laughs>
1: it was so bad and like i i remember like three minutes into it it was live
0: and i was like oh no
1: and so I tried Can't put that
0: toothpaste back in the tube. I
1: tried to go off script. Yeah. And got
0: worse. It,
1: I mean, I think it would have been okay if there was an actual audience there, uh, you know? Yeah. but There was nobody there. And the director was behind the camera going, no, no
0: <laughs> stick to the script. <laughs>
1: and I was like, oh God. Okay. And then they, and then it got even worse when they brought up this like decrepit old crypt keeper of a man to do the auction. Yeah. Like, why didn't they? get somebody like young and spry and actually be an auctioneer. They got the oldest human being they could find on the planet. And he was for sure on drugs.
0: Oh, really? And it was just the most. Give me four, give me 10, give me 25. I mean, it, he didn't have the auctioneer uh, pacing. It, it was bad. And I, I just gave up. I just,
1: I literally, and it was one of the only times in my entire yeah. career of being in front of people where I literally just gave up. Really? Yeah. And that was like three weeks ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. I just stopped. I, I was really like, like to have people in the shop here for a podcast right after rock bottom. <laughs> it really, it feels right. Well, I mean,
1: I, I honestly don't care like that. We need to get that video and mm-hmm. study it mm. and never do it again. Gotcha. You know what it's I mean? It's a one like, not
0: to do scene study.
1: Yeah. Like it's okay to put yourself out there. It's okay yeah. to bomb. Yeah. Bombing and up is fine sure. because you realize these jokes can be way better Mm. and then you start to learn your trust your instincts you're like wait a minute I think this joke was fine I'm gonna try it again with this different audience right and a bar and see how this joke works so is the does the room make a difference oh my god yes really I am a bar comedian okay like that is my niche gotcha when When did you get into
0: stand-up I did I did stand-up for about seven years in L. A. when you were in LA yeah so it was later yeah okay So, so so acting was kind of the, was kind of the racket starting out. And then, yeah,
1: I mean, that's, that's what got me into it. Yeah. That's what got me into it. And then I realized probably about high school that I'm not an actor. (laughs) Like I don't have any range. Why not? I don't have any range. Ah. I'm just, I'm just a one. I could be a character
0: actor. Yeah. Which is totally awesome. Yeah. 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 I would be totally into that. Yeah. That's one of those things that people almost like, I don't know. (sighs) Character actors are not, I don't want to say it. it's a, like a, almost a notch below leading male or whatever. So people kind of almost look down on it. I like mean, you're not I, like, like I, it's
1: not as, I as understand
0: the struggle. I mean, if
1: I could just get work acting, that'd be amazing. I don't know. I don't care what I would do, right. but I, I kind of just, just decided and discovered early on that. I don't, I, I love to write. Uh-huh. And so if I'm going to put myself out there and fail at something, I'm going to fail at something I like. Yeah.
0: I like that. And writing is what it is. Yeah. I love it. And a lot of times, you know, you're so far separated from the final thing that, you know, there's a lot of other things to blame it on before it gets to the writing that that failed. Exactly. And I did stand up
1: specifically because I was doing so much prose. I was writing novels and screenplays and, you know, even short stories, they take forever. They just take so long to, to write. Edit, I'm sure. And to edit. And I, 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 every, every time I sit down and write prose, it's like a boxing match. It's Mm. like. Sometimes I lose, sometimes I win, but I really take it seriously every single line and it takes me so long. So I realized I need something for self gratification. I need something that's quick. And so joke writing is hard. Yes. But it's quick. And Mm. in
0: LA. And gratifying too.
1: When you first start out in LA, you only get three minutes if you're lucky. Right. So if you can write a three minute set, you can do that the same exact set every night And just get it better and better and better. And then do you grow it to five? Absolutely. That's what you do. That's the goal. That's the goal.
0: And then at one day you've got an hour.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I I guarantee you I had an hour of material. I never, I never put it together.
0: Yeah.
1: And a lot of it, it doesn't make any sense anymore because I'm such a bar comedian. So like every joke I tell is like of that year. You know what I mean? Uh, Like it's very, very dated material. Sure.
0: But that's what I like. I like to just tell different jokes. But that means you've got to write a ton of it for it to be. Yeah. Uh, to, this, the joke this year, the COVID joke doesn't work in 2021, exactly. right? It has well, to work now. And then, you're, and then you're rotating material in.
1: I think it took me three years of comedy to actually write a joke.
0: Really? Because my first three years was just me doing a
1: two-minute set and a five-minute set. And then changing it. I can, I think my first two years was just doing the same set over and over and over again. Mm. And then really, and then about three years in, I realized I could get away with so much more in a bar ah. as opposed to a comedy club. What's the difference? Oh, it's a huge difference. Really? Yeah. It's, it's a completely different crowd.
0: All right. So are comedy clubs, people who are uh, predisposed to really make you work for it? No, or, so, or, so,
1: so comedy clubs here, here's the difference. Comedy clubs are people who have paid money to see a comedy show. They don't give a shit about this up and coming artist. Upcoming comedian they came and paid for dane cook they came and paid yeah. for bob saget yeah. they paid for all these comedians and you're just some guy who's doing five minutes they don't care at all oh gotcha and so you're already
0: behind the ball you're already
1: set up for failure
0: yeah they're harder to impress yeah. because they're not even there to see you they're bar, waiting bar shows they're not there to see you either they're there to drink they're there to drink but
1: if you can actually make them laugh and just yeah. get the mic and just walk into the crowd all of a sudden, they just love you. It's, you can tell the dumbest jokes. I used to tell. I had a whole five minute Harry Potter set in bars. I, I'm sure that played, and it was great. It was great. It was great.
0: Was it so, esoteric yeah. at all? Did some people like? Oh, I don't get it.
1: I, I I would try to do esoteric jokes, but it's you know what? I think you have to have a platform for that. I think until you are some semi famous, you have to stick to
0: universal universal jokes.
1: Yeah. Once you get to once you get to a point where you have fans. Then you play with those fans. Have you a following.
0: Do, you, then you can. You, you play in that. You play on that field. You can be
1: esoteric. You can be controversial. You can be an asshole if you want. Yeah. Because you already got the fan base. But if you don't, you got to fight tooth and nail for everybody to even laugh at your
0: random <laughs> Harry Potter joke that you're about to tell. <laughs> was Was your stuff clean? Was it dirty? No, <laughs> was it, it wasn't.
1: It wasn't clean. It was. It was. I would always start. out. I mean, you know, I'm. I've got three kids and a wife, so I would always, always start out making fun of my wife. Like that's just (laughs) universal. Everybody gets it. Like, Oh yeah, I get his struggle. You just start making fun of her. You just start just like destroying your life, And then you start moving into kid jokes and then you can do with that last minute and a half, whatever you want to do. Gotcha. And that was like the topical jokes. Mm. That's when I would get into the crowd and be like, Hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, crowd that type of thing. I loved crowd work. Really loved it. And I would, I think crowd, there's been several shows in comedy clubs where crowd work is like heaven. Yeah. It's, heaven. it's very improv heavy. You got to be quick. You got to be quick. You got to yeah. be quick. And you know, you, 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 have things in the back of your head yeah. that you can always go back to like a filing cabinet. Like, Oh, yep. when i yep. say that one. Joke. Exactly. But, but it's, 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 it's right. Right in the moment. And the audience yeah. will know they can
0: smell, they can smell
1: it if yeah. it's, if it's been planned.
0: Right. But So it, have you ever gotten into situations where you're doing that crowd work and you're trying to, you know, reach into that filing cabinet and dial <sighs> something up and you, uh, the filter wasn't quite there. You know what I mean? And, and you, and you, uh, outkick your coverage a little bit with a joke and say something (laughs) you shouldn't have said Yeah, though it's too much or too far.
1: Um, yeah, a couple of times. I mean, I'm, I'm just such a, like, I mean, just, I have the face of like a, a youth pastor, you know, nobody, no one is expecting me to say anything. And if I do say something, I I get away with it because I've got this goofy, like dad smile. Yeah. It's like guys
0: with an accent that can say anything.
1: (laughs) It it really (laughs) plays in my, it really plays in my favor. You know what I mean? Like I just, randomly we will just say something awful. Yeah. And just followed up with a, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like,
0: okay. Well, you mentioned Bob Saget. Like mm-hmm. I opened for him. That's why I said him. Did you really? Yeah. How was that? It was great. He really? was fantastic. Well, his stuff, he was the full house dad or whatever, yeah. but he was a dirty comedian, he was, right? I mean, he's, he's filthy. Yeah. He's absolutely filthy. Yeah.
1: But he's also, he's also probably one of the best working comedians today. Really? And I say that because he's had such a long career and he's always, always evolving and he's just a student of standup. And the reason why I got to open for him is that he got to go, he got to go to all these comedy clubs. And a lot of these celebrities just walk onto the set, walk off. Yeah. Saget sits there and listens to young comedians. He watches the openers. He does. And yeah. he will give you notes and oh, he really? will, he will tell you that was a terrible joke or that's mm-hmm. a great premise. Yeah. Work on punch, it. Punch, punch, punch. Yeah. And that's what he did with me. Like three times. He was like, that is really funny but it's not there yet and so eventually he saw me again and goes that's it what are you doing saturday i was like working he was like get out i want you to open for me it's like you got it bomb great what so, what uh what club um, the first time i opened for him was at the comedy store in uh, la mm-hmm. the second time was at flappers in okay. burbank Okay. Is that a big club? I have heard mm, of that. Floppers is family owned. It has a bad reputation, but Does it's, it? it's, who cares? Like yeah. you're just doing stand up. People hate it because it's not part of like the Hollywood scenes in Burbank, right. but who cares? You just right. do stand up. I, I liked Floppers. They had good food. Hey, you played the comedy store. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. That's huge. Oh yeah. Several times. That's great. Yeah, man. It was great. So was that the bulk of, of what you were doing when you were in LA? Mm. Stand up and yeah. Writing. Writing. Yeah. With stand up more of the fun stuff, make a and 200 and 300 bucks here and there. And exactly. Stand up
1: yeah. was purely just so I wouldn't go crazy yeah. writing my screenplays or waiting tables or waiting tables. Yeah. yeah. And it was great. It always stand up always led to my next job. Gotcha. And I never was a successful comedian, but it always led to the next thing.
0: Yeah. I, I think standup is really interesting that way. Like a lot of people are kind of almost ancillary, ancillarily, yeah. probably not a word known for, for up. Like yeah. a lot of them become actors, right. you know, but they did stand up for a long time under the radar. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew them. But they were doing it. They were honing their craft and that's how they got found. Or that's how somebody noticed that they were a good writer. And now they're a writer on Parks and Rec or they're a writer on, you know, an NBC show or or network television show, for instance. And
1: what I really love is I want to be a novelist. That's my passion. Really? That's a long con? Yes. But what I didn't expect was how writing stand-up makes you a
0: better novelist. Really? Yeah, man. Because it, it forces you into writing something succinct?
1: Yes. It's succinct. And it's way shorter than you would have normally done it. Mm.
0: Like somebody told me once, uh, uh, write everything. Like you're getting charged a dollar for each word. That is, that's amazing. And so
1: when, <laughs> when I, when I write things though, like I, I, when I write novels, Ben, you know me, I'm the biggest nerd of the planet. I write, I write science fiction and fantasy. So that in itself is just long. Like, especially yeah. the fantasy genre. Yeah. You're building a world. Like it's super long. Like I have several of these hundred and fifty k word manuscripts that will never see the light of day, but eventually, they will. But stand up has made me a better writer because, well, it used to take me two hundred thousand
0: words; is now taking me eighty thousand words. Gotcha. So more efficient. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's strong. How long did it take you to get in the stand up scene once you moved to LA? Well, okay. So did you do theater through high school and all that too? Yeah. Okay. I did. I did. I did a so growing of plays up, there. you dabbled mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, did I that.
1: Did, I did plays at Fairgood High School. I did plays throughout the B at the BZU throughout my senior year. Gotcha. And then Charlotte and Janelle kept kept me busy too.
0: That's good. Yeah. At talent track. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did you go to college? I went to UT for about six months. <laughs> <laughs> was it the same six months I was there? <laughs> Maybe it was. Yeah. It could have been.
1: Like my parents are so supportive. You know, they just like try it you gotta do something and then i realized my parents
0: were the same way i can't do this mm-hmm. i can't do this yeah yeah i mean especially i'm very lucky my parents were very supportive too of my artistic endeavors yeah like i wanted to be an actor i wanted mm-hmm. to be the best actor there ever was wanted to be johnny depp right, right. i thought i had the chops i, I still maybe i did mm-hmm. you know uh but i felt like this the stage was in la for me and you know had to do the same thing you did, which was go out, see where the work is. Oh my you know, god! Tell me about your tell sunshine. me about
1: your auditions. I want to know my
0: auditions. Mm-hmm. They were for student films for film projects. Gotcha. I never really like. <clears throat> never read for anything. No, I mean I, not not really. I never got represented while I was out there. I mm-hmm. was so yeah. Me neither. I mean it was it was hard because I was. I mean, I was only there for a couple of years, but I was busting my ass just to pay my rent. Yeah, that I never really gave acting and on a shot. And I think, you know, people say you regret the things you don't do. That'll be the thing that I'm 80 years old and I'm like, damn it. I wish I would. I wish I would have gone harder when I was in LA, but that's okay. I mean, it, it, it got me in the business. Like it got me in the film business. Mm -hmm. I got a, I got a terrible, well, I won't say terrible. It was a blessing to have this job, but it was a 14 hours, 14 hour days for a hundred bucks. Eight, eight, days a week, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was That's a crazy tough. busy PA job. And I, but I was like, man, I really like the film business. And so th- that got me down a whole other path. So had mm-hmm. I not done that, had I not chased the acting dream, I think I never would have, uh, I, I don't think I ever would have landed in the career that I have now, which I'm so grateful for. Right. But I will say what it did do for me being an actor and working on some small stuff on film and on screen is I I think now that I look back at it, it does kind of it's it's I sympathize with the actor more than any other position on set. Yeah, and I pander to them. You know, pander's a bad word, but I but I I, I my whole uh, my whole deal is trying to make the actor's life easier because I know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. They just walked onto a set with sixty people they don't know, and they've and they've got to dance under hot
1: lights exactly, yeah.
0: and they've got to do it. And so that's the person on set that I'm trying to make feel the most comfortable. So as it's helped me directorially to, right. to, to go through the acting, you know, thing. But, but other than that, the only thing it did for me was give me the bug for production, which I have now, which you have. Yeah. And, and I love it.
1: God damn. You were really good at what you do. Oh, thanks. I've seen you work and it's like Thank you. watching
0: Picasso. <laughs> like <Yeah>. it's good. <laughs> Thank You were you. so in your element. It's awesome. Yeah, it feels great to yeah. do it. And it's easy. Like when we work together, it's really, it's really a lot easier when you have words on the page that are, that are good to work, good to work with. And you're not having to figure all that out, you know, right in a different way. And you do a great job with that. So I uh, working with you is easy. Well, thank you. Yeah. Let's keep doing that.
1: The, let's keep doing it. Let's keep it going.
0: The hardest yeah. part is,
1: is making the client happy. That's, that's where we have to, yeah. as, as creatives, you well, know, with we,
0: client work that we're uh, in man. now, that's the boss really, yeah. you know,
1: and the whole, like one of the hardest scenes to film that we got that amazing young actress to do was the last day that you guys filmed or the second last day where she was just saying all those lines over in a, like super gigantic long lines. You know what mm-hmm. I'm
0: talking about? Yeah.
1: That was all from the client. Yeah, so you're... that was all from the client. What do you mean? If I didn't leave those in, we would not be even, Ah, we would not be filming
0: anything. Oh, gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, 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 uh, yeah it's, it's, you know, you're making, when you're writing this stuff, you're making right. the, you know, you're, you're getting your art out there, but there's also <laughs> parts of it that have to be written in to support the people who are, you know, sometimes paying, paying for it. this spot. Yeah, right? We got
1: the, we got the first notes back and it was a lot. Yeah. And I was like, you mean from
0: the script or from the edit
1: from no, no, from the client. From the script. From from the script. Yeah.
0: So we should fill people in on that. I'm sorry, we should. Yeah, they yeah. don't know. So uh, you and I, uh, we can talk about it, right? Yeah. No, no problem. Course, yeah. It's called Conservation Commanders. Is that the, or Conservation Crew? Crew, now. Yeah, yes. we've had a couple working titles. Mm-hmm. Conservation Crew. It's a kids' TV show. It's a kids' TV show. We're going to
1: pitch it to PBS. We're going to pitch it to Amazon. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get this out there. I mean, I feel like it's got the potential to go for... At least a couple of
0: seasons. Absolutely, and you wrote the pilot, yeah, and absolutely. I directed the pilot, right? Uh, that's how we worked together most we, we recently. Pitched,
1: our Our marketing agency pitched to the uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee Aquarium, mm-hmm. and we said we can make some branded content with your stuff, with entertaining, creative content. Mm-hmm. They said, "Okay, great."
0: So we just decided to go for it, but yeah. You know. So, so ultimately, what it is is it's it's. Uh, it, Branded entertainment is mm-hmm. becoming a big thing. Yeah, like it's it's not just it's to get to people you have to be entertaining first. Right. You have to make them watch stuff. People, right. uh, unless they're captive, they're not going to just watch an ad. Unless it's YouTube pre-roll, they're not just going to sit there and watch something. And so you have to make them choose to watch it. And in this case, it's entertainment first, right? But there's there's a brand behind it that is getting something out of it, and and those. You know and in this case it's very noble because it they're is. trying to educate kids right and the there's nothing wrong
1: with the Tennessee that. Aquarium is not a is a nonprofit aquarium it's not like right. the Pigeon Forge Aquarium they mm-hmm. just all the money goes back into conservation right which is awesome yeah but the problem is the way they tell it is super boring yeah. So we're going to try to figure out a way to make it for kids to sure. explain what they do why going to aquariums is important mm-hmm. and what your money goes to when you go to aquariums. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's awesome. That's a noble cause. It's very educational. So I I, I jumped at the chance to write the screen that the screenplay. But when we got those notes back, I realized way too much entertainment, and they wanted way more education.
0: I feel you. And well, so, that's what they're pushing, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And so I was like, okay. So we try to we try to figure it out, but and we we finally came to a um an agreement. But you you can tell on the script, it's like entertainment, entertainment. And there's one scene where it's just nonstop fact after fact after right. fact
0: but mm-hmm. that's what they wanted so we put it in. Well, we're in the edit now yeah. and I've seen some I've seen some edits. I don't know what the last one you have seen, but I think we're striking a good balance with it. And I think that's good. important for I think that's important for just about anything that is quote unquote branded entertainment and and that is that it does strike that balance of keeping people engaged and entertained while educating them and they don't even know it. How about those young actors though? Like fantastic they were so good we had five kids yeah they were what anywhere from eight yep to 12 13 13 yeah 13 years old cat was eight really Mm -hmm. she's fantastic our youngest actress killed so good right so we had a a range of 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 five years of kids that that worked well so well together as an ensemble i can't wait for people to see it because it's solid stuff i can't wait like in two weeks right yeah, I think so. I think I think it airs in two weeks. Oh, man. Ben, we do good stuff together, man. Yeah, we do. Who'd have thought? Miss <laughs> Ada Hall's third grade class. Here we go. Full circle. Yeah. So what what got you back in, in Tennessee from L.A.? Well, I mean, I've been doing it for so long. And... Um, you were out there for 10 or longer years, right? I was right? out
1: there for 13 years. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so, yeah. And so... Being out there for thirteen years has got to be tiring. I was there for two years and it was exhausting. It it was great,
1: but then you start having babies.
0: Ah, L. A. is a hard place to raise you, you kids. You just can't do it. You can't do it. So uh, was your wife working? Mm, yes and no. <laughs> okay. So you were just making money at the cheesecake factory, bringing well, it home,
1: and the the part that we le- the part that we left out was I went from cheesecake factory to writing screenplays on the side to doing stand up and punch up. Punch up is where you do, where someone gives you a script already written mm-hmm. and I would come in and make it funnier. Plus it, plus it. Yeah. And I made great money doing that.
0: Really? And punch, but who were you working for then? An agency or?
1: I mean, I, it was just, Freelancing. Random. again, it's just, it's just all freelance It's just doing stand up. Somebody will come to you and be like, Hey, I got the script. And most it's of it's about a B minus.
0: I need it to be a, an A plus. You're being very generous. It okay, was usually I, it's an a F. C minus. I needed to Okay. Okay, I feel you. So you were working with some rough stuff. The the the
1: scripts I was working with usually were foreign films that were trying that were made ah. that were made overseas. And I say foreign, but some of them were made in like, you know, like England, you know, but they same didn't, language. They didn't make it any sense translate. for a Western
0: audience. Yeah. And so it was bad. Like some so, of were you were so contextualizing, bad. kind of foreign films mm-hmm. for an American audience.
1: And when you do a punch out, they don't want you to change the script. They right. want you just to do the dialogue, but they give you the leeway to write notes. And so the reason why I would get so much work is, I would turn in a
0: twelve-page treatment, just for the hell of it. I just wanted to make the screenplay the best I possibly could. A twelve-page treatment. So you pretty much condensed. A uh, 90-page screenplay? Took, I took their
1: screenplay and said, here's mm-hmm. how it would translate it to the Western audiences. And outlined it? Yes. Okay. And I would do a three-act structure. Okay. If it was a pilot, I would do an opening and then a five-act structure. Okay. And then I would just try have as many jokes as I possibly could. I never worked on anything other than a comedy. Oh, good. So I would just try to do as many jokes as I – jokes per capita is what yeah. I was getting paid for. JPC. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> I tried to do as many as I possibly could. And then eventually it got me to this one of the biggest things I ever did, which was eventually came as Nomeo and Juliet. Have you seen that movie? No. It's not very good, but they have awesome talent that was in that movie. Like it was made overseas. They brought it over to Western audiences, changed the animation, changed the voice cast and got an amazing voice casts. When I got the screenplay. So did was, you
0: repack it and overdub it?
1: When, when I, I didn't, I have no idea. When I got the screenplay, it was about three years before it was actually made. So it was just called, it was just called like gnomes on parade or something like that. Gotcha. Like some stupid. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, if this is, if you want this to work, this needs to have like some sort of musical overtures that needs to have some sort of like something that a Western audience can get behind. And I, I suggested Shakespeare and of became Romeo and Juliet. That's perfect. So yeah, that was my, that was one of my biggest claims to fame. You need a punny title. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't write that, but I just suggested Shakespeare. Yeah. And you, you can watch, you can watch that movie. You can see maybe five of my jokes made it. <laughs> did you get a credit? No. Heck yeah. no. Yeah. But I got paid. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. Which is totally fine. <laughs> yeah. That was my biggest paycheck for Punch-Up. Really? Um, the Comedy Central roast paid really well too, per joke. You did those? A couple of them. Okay. Which ones? Um, David Hasselhoff. Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Franco.
0: Oh, that's, I mean, he's the best. He's, he's the, best. the best guy to ever get roasted.
1: And, and you know, the, the the those Comedy Central roasts, they have a staff of writers. I'm sure. They have celebrities writing their own stuff too. Like, sure. I'm not writing for Seth Rogen. I'm not writing for these amazing comedians. They're writing their own stuff. Right. But part of the contract is to have somebody else get up there and tell a joke. So you're writing for them. Yeah. And they just pay you per joke, but they pay you- really well per one joke right whereas i was i also would do random stuff too where you could fax this is so this is going to date me but you could fax in jokes to mm-hmm. like the ellen show or like david letterman yeah uh conan and you just fax those jokes in and they would give you 50 150 bucks a joke really and i was making great money doing that that sounds day. like
0: a, a great model for them
1: it was great because i mean they have a whole staff of people that tell the jokes but i really love. That day jokes. Yeah. So I would I would take the newspaper, the Drudge Report. I would take CNN and just look at the things. What what if I was at a bar? What jokes would I tell? And so I would just write them down and send them and fax them, and they would just that me, day
0: they'd pay me 150 bucks per really? joke. Really? Yeah. Did they have to use them? No, but I would say
1: I I, I think they used them all. I Really?
0: really I really think they did. So it's almost like opening monologue type mm-hmm. stuff for, for, uh, late night shows. Right. Like those, those very, um, I don't know, very appropriate jokes for the, right. for the moment.
1: So the Ellen, the Ellen show is under a lot of scrutiny right now, sure. but but I, I got to give her props. Which some, I love
0: the Ellen show. I got to
1: give her props because she, she paid me the most money. Really? <laughs> so, <laughs> I sold a bunch of jokes to Ellen show. Really? Yeah. So, and it, it's just random. Just, you just send the a fax and then eventually it chains into tweets
0: mm. and and then they stopped paying people for them. Yeah,
1: they did. They really did. They just <laughs> stopped. I, I've, I've heard. I've heard of other people doing things, and I've heard. I've heard awesome stories where people actually got hired by doing these things. But that never. That wasn't my experience. Nobody ever reached out to me. They were just like, "Here's money, thank you." Yeah. You know,
0: but it was great. What are some other highlights from the from the LA years? Oh man,
1: well let's talk about. Let's do some name dropping. Okay.
0: You? Yeah. I mean, well, Paul McCartney told me never to name drop in this business.
1: Who, let's let's name drop Paul McCartney.
0: <laughs> it was Hillary Swank. Hilary Swank <laughs> told me never to name drop in this business.
1: Man, so I used to work for this marketing agency that was ahead of its curve. Like it was the first influencer marketing agency ever. Huh. And so before influencer even had a word, they were doing these white glove programs where they would send people like me to celebrity houses
0: hmm.
1: and they would be like, Hey, the, the agent or the um, client is Samsung. You're going to send you to David Hasselhoff again, send you David Hasselhoff's house and talk about this Samsung fridge that he's going to get for free. As long as David Hasselhoff will say something on Instagram. That's what I did for so long. <laughs> and so so it's trade stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just, that was a white glove program. Eventually it became way more than that. It became experiential and influencer marketing. But I'm talking the very beginning of it. It was just going to people's houses and giving them free product. That's awesome. So I have so many stories. It's like being a Red Bull girl. It, exactly. <laughs> and, but we have to talk about David Hasselhoff. So every good podcast does. This is, this, I love this story. So man, it was me. My buddy got me this job. He was like, okay, Brad's really good at people. He needs to come in and just, and just talk to people. I think it was my third week and they just sent me to this house that happened to be in Arcadia where I used to work. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, Brad, he knows the area. Short drive. He won't even have to uh, bust out the <laughs> Thomas guide. <laughs> like he, he knows the area, the Thomas guide. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Thomas guide in my car.
0: Oh, I had. Yeah, Yeah. I had every year. I bought one every
1: year. We had a Thomas guide and MapQuest printouts Ah, in my car.
0: Yeah. Every year. For those of you playing at home, Thomas guide is a like 500 page book with every single street and alley (laughs) in LA. You would look up what street you were going to in the index and then you would go to page 214. Row G, right. column H, and that's where your street was. And then you would be flipping that thing in the passenger seat while you drove your there car was to no, try to find there it. There was no other way to do it. No, you there, couldn't do it. That, the, there was no other way to do no, it. No, smartphones hadn't happened. Yep. Yeah.
1: I mean, everything was a grid out there for the most part. But right. then if you wanted to go to a neighborhood or if you wanted to go to a studio in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. it was not a grid. Right. You had to figure out where you were going. Yeah. It, it was
0: terrible. Yeah. Anywhere out of north, north and south streets that, you know, anywhere outside of the grid, mm-hmm. you'd never heard of, you know, Yep. Lancashire Boulevard, if you never went to the Valley, exactly. you know? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay. Back to David Hasselhoff. I had another story too, but we'll say that for later. Sure. It's going to be a long podcast. Might be. Okay. Well, David Hasselhoff's house was in Arcadia and I had written, like I said, for his roast. So I was pumped to tell him that I wrote these jokes. Oh, man. And I was like, I couldn't wait to tell him that I wrote these jokes. And, and you I, were
0: giving him a refrigerator?
1: Yeah. I was giving him a brand new refrigerator and a washer and dryer. Oh. So nice. he got he got three things. He did. <laughs> and they were already delivered. And I was talking back and forth to delivery men. They were, everything was fine. I didn't think anything was going to be a, like a big deal. And so, you know, when you like have something in your brain that you think is going to go a certain way. Yeah. And it just goes the complete opposite way. Yep. <laughs> So I had in my mind I was gonna go to Hasselhoff's house, be like, dude, I used to I you, I rode for your your roast, mm-hmm. and I, I can't believe I get to finally meet you. And he was gonna be like, oh, you're awesome, and we'd be like best friends or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like yeah. I just thought you are running be, on the beach together. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was gonna be great. He'd save you from drowning. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to expect, but I show up at the house, and immediately I know this is gonna be weird because there's like 30, 40 cars. Just parked everywhere, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Oh, there's like a party going on," and this is a private neighborhood and a private house. I was like, "Oh, I don't know, what, what am I walking into right now?" I walk in, I see the delivery people, and I'm like, "Dude, where, where is everybody?" And they're like, "Who lives here?" I was like, "Dude, David Hasselhoff lives here," and he's like, "What? We've seen nobody. We literally walked in, nobody came, answered our calls, and we just installed it." I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) You installed a washer and dryer and a refrigerator and no one showed up. They were like, no. And there's 40 cars in the driveway? Yes. And here's the, here's the weirdest part was that the washer and dryer where they told him we had emails back and forth from his agents. Yeah. So we knew where we knew that we had the house. It was a huge house. Yeah. We had the floor plan. We knew where the washer and dryer was supposed to go. We knew where the refrigerator was supposed to go. Somebody had taken those appliances out. To make room for these new appliances. Mm-hmm. But these poor workers never saw anybody. No one signed anything. They just showed up. They called me. I said, yeah, just go ahead and do it. Assuming that somebody was there. Sure. Well, I was wrong. They just put these appliances in and they're like, what do we do now? I was like, just leave. We'll make sure you get paid. I had the guy's number. So like, you can go. I'll try to find somebody. And I'm wondering these grounds of David Haslaw's house. I'm walking to every door knocking going hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's anywhere. I walk into a room that goes into it's like a like a greenhouse. Yeah. And then it walks out into their pool. I shit you not. He has a statue of himself <laughs> that is spraying water out of his mouth into his pool. <laughs> <laughs> and all all around is pictures of him on the Berlin Wall. <laughs> No. Yes. All around. All around. How is this not a South Park episode? I mean, it's everywhere. It's just like, it's just the Berlin Wall in him (laughs) and his accomplishments in Berlin. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh. He's huge in Berlin. I'm taking pictures. (laughs) I'm sending it to people and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? I put an Instagram thing out there, like a story and people Mm. are like cracking up on my Instagram story. But still... There's all these cars and nobody there. That's weird. Eventually, I found them all. Where were they? I totally interrupted some sort of orgy.
0: Yeah, sex dungeon is what I was going to say. I
1: totally interrupted it. But you know, (laughs) like I didn't mean to, and I'm trying to find people, and nobody's answering me. And I finally, finally find someone. And when he sees me, his eyes get as big as saucers. He's like, who are you? And I'm like... (laughs) Well, I'm here with an agency trying to explain this horribly complicated thing. <laughs> I'm here to install the refrigerator. <laughs> I'm not the I'm not the installer guy. I'm with the agency. I need to make sure he's gonna post this on social. And where's David Hasselhoff? And he's like, Who? And I'm like, Am I in the wrong house? <laughs> Where is David Hasselhoff? And he literally has no idea who I'm talking about. What? And I'm like I'm in the wrong house, but wait a minute. I'm not in the wrong house because I just saw him in the Berlin wall. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, who lives here? He was like, Oh, and I forgot her name. He's like, so-and-so lives here. Ends up. It's his daughter. Oh no. And it's not. And, near- and, 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 oh no. And so I'm trying to figure out who these people are. I find these people. There's, I find them all in the basement. They're all just sitting down, like nobody's naked or anything. But they're all just sitting down. They're on drugs or high, and I finally find someone, and they look up at me, and they're just stuffing their mouth with In and Out, like just just pigging In-N-Out out. Burgers? Yes, just pigging out. And they look at me and go, oh, oh my gosh, what time is it? And I'm like, I don't whatever time it was. Yeah. And like, you're from the agency? I was like, yes, we've been here for so long. They're like. Okay, we'll just tell them they can go ahead and put the refrigerator in. I was like, bro, it's been in for about two hours now. We need somebody to take a picture of it on Instagram. He was like, oh, well, David's not here. <laughs> I was like, you don't get a refrigerator for free and a washer and dryer for free. You got to post if- a
0: picture. So David Hasselhoff had you Im- install a refrigerator and washer and dryer at his daughter's house? Yes. Okay. And and did he ever make good on the uh, social That's, media yes. post? Yes.
1: I did not leave. I couldn't, I got, I, I was my third week. I was like, I'm going to get, fired. On I'm line, gonna get fired. So I told him,
0: hold on. Did David Hasselhoff build his daughter a house and put a statue of himself in it? It, it was his house, but he oh, gave, it was his house. But, okay.
1: but, but, but she lives there now, but he also has another
0: house too. Oh, I'm sure he's got plenty. Yeah. Probably one in Berlin.
1: <laughs> I think he lives. I think he lives in Phil Spector's old house. Where's that? In, in Arcadia. Okay. <laughs> so it's all, it's, but I don't know that, that could be, that could be completely wrong.
0: Did you get it? Did you get a post out yes. of them? Yes.
1: Okay. So the the la, the last little the the coda to this story, the cherry on top, was finally he gets there. I would say maybe an hour and a half later because he realized these people are not going to let me just have free stuff. Right. I have to do something. His agent was blowing him up. Mm-hmm. He was like, <laughs> oh, "They they tried. They tried to get free stuff. They were just like, oh, they 'Ah, they'll they'll give up.' But I didn't give up, and that was so nice. <laughs> like." Yeah. If that happened to me now, I'd be super mean, but sure. I was so nice and like polite, like, please let him come, David, please come. <laughs> Finally, he shows up and he had his agent record him. So he would have to record it himself. Right. And so the she, he called him and said, Hey, I'm going to pull up in my car. It was like a really nice car. I don't know what it was, but he pulled up in his car, comes out and says, the Hoff bus is here. I think I got a motherfucking refrigerator or something. Let's go check it out. It <laughs> goes, and he was like, "Follow me!" And then we had to follow him through the house. <laughs> he thought he was doing an episode of Cribs. He did. He really yeah, did. Yeah. He was. Uh, he was coming at it hard too. Was he on? He was talking like he was black. Yeah. He was like. He was like, "Yo, yo, yo! It's the Hoff!" Like he was. It w- ended up being. He did some cultural appropriation. It ended up being so bad that the brand didn't even want to use it, and I went through all of that. <laughs> <laughs> but he posted it anyways. And I still <laughs> got in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much, dude. Dude. I still, I, I still got there. Like you can't tell him to do, it. I was like, he did it himself. <laughs> I told him to post it. And the best thing is the be- he posted it like five days later. Like really? after we told him, like he must've been scrolling through his phone and said, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I and, just, about that. and then just posted it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was my David Samsung, Hasselhoff story. Samsung stock went Samsung, up. Samsung, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 12 points that day
0: <laughs> in
1: Germany. Yeah. I didn't lose my job, but it was it was rough waters for a yeah. while. Takes the Hoff bus.
0: So when you did, uh, you know, it, that's the most, that's about one of the most LA stories I've, I've I know, heard. Seriously. I had experiences very similar. I don't have many of those anymore. Yeah. Like here, a, it's, a, it's different lives, different, totally different lives. Yeah. Much more. I like to say civilized. Uh, you know, I spend 20 minutes in my car every day instead of two hours in my car every day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: However, I like to tell my friends in LA that I don't have any celebrity stories, but I have redneck stories.
0: Oh, those are great too. You know what I mean? Like they're the, oh, they're the yeah. same thing. Yeah.
1: You know, like. Exactly. You just, instead of seeing David Hasselhoff, like the other day I was driving, it was pouring down rain. I say the other day, it was like a year ago, but. Pouring down rain, mudslide. I pull out, and I'm like sliding everywhere. So I pull over. I see a farmer. It's pretty old. I ask him if he's okay. He's like, "Can you help me?" Sure. My the kid, farmer asked yes, you to help him. Yes. Okay. The kids are in the car. I pull. I, I send my well, wife's cracking up, and there's just goats all over the road. This is bluegrass road.
0: The road, yeah, that's that's like there's, in the, it kind of in the middle of the city. I mean, not in the middle it, of the city, but it's not rural, really. Well, when you blue when you get to Bluegrass Road, there's farms everywhere. Okay. So that's where I was. And
1: he was like, Can you help me? I was like, sure. There's the fence had definitely just been hit by the mud. Mm. The fence is down, there's goats everywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, What do you want me to do? I'm thinking he's gonna say to like, I'm getting poured on. He's like, just move the goats over there. He goes, no, pick up the goats and move them. He wants me to pick up these goats. You've got your kids in the car. I'm like, you want me to pick up the goats? Okay. So I take off my button shirt. I'm like, I'll pick up a goat. And then he says, I'll never forget. He says, don't pick up the pregnant one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be a mess. <laughs> I pick up a goat. I put it in the barn. I go pick up another goat. He says, I told you not to pick up the pregnant one. <laughs> I don't, like nothing happened. Right. But I just like, I don't, I don't know what a pregnant goat looks like, but that is, that's the equivalent of a Tennessee celebrity story. Agreed. You know,
0: just redneck stories. And they're a lot more fun. They're a lot more fun. Like nobody cares if you saw Ashton Kutcher, (laughs) you know, at his agent, you know, going in. (laughs) (laughs) So moving back to Tennessee, was that decision hard? It was tough, man. Was it?
1: I I love California. Me too. Tennessee's my home.
0: I, I love Tennessee.
1: To be honest with you, I would have stayed because I had, had a great, I had a great gig going out there. Like, yeah. I love my job. If we didn't have three kids, I would have been there for a yeah. lot
0: longer. I know a lot of people who get a dog in Los Angeles and are like, I can't freaking handle it. Yeah.
1: Like, I can't, can't do it. You were talking about the drive. I, I mean, we, I had three kids. We couldn't live in West Hollywood where I was working. I couldn't, mm-hmm. we can't afford a house out there. It's like five thousand sure. dollars a month.
0: Yeah. So I was driving. Unless you buy one, then it's $1.5 for 800 square feet. Oh, gosh. <laughs> for a little hobbit hole. Yeah.
1: it's terrible. I was driving four hours a day.
0: Yeah. That's a tough way to spend your life. Mm-hmm. And the demands of jobs are a lot higher too. I mean, they expect you to work from, you know, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. a lot of times. Because there's somebody right behind you that's going to work that hard anyway.
1: Yeah, that's cutthroat. That's true to a certain extent. I mean, I feel like... I don't know. I feel like the bubble. So you're in the production side. Mm -hmm. The marketing side is so different out there. You're right there. You're expected to work long hours Mm -hmm. and work really hard, but it's project based. You get your project done and you got time to be like you, like chill Mm -hmm. and figure out what's going to come next here. It's like, I don't know. It's just, it's just so different. There's an LA bubble. There's a New York bubble. And there's everywhere else. Flyovers. Yeah. And so I'm having to figure out how to do marketing in Knoxville. That's been, that's been, that's been tough. Transition, bit
0: yeah. of a, like a yeah. vocational transition because, for you. you know,
1: because you, you have mentors, you have people telling you how to do things and you, you do it for so long and you realize, and you think you you think you're really good at it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you come somewhere else that's not LA or New York. Mm-hmm. And you're like, paradigm shift. You have to learn. From the ground up again, mm-hmm. so that's been.
0: But uh, you got the tools, right? I mean, you, you got the tools. You got the basic yeah. tools. You got to just learn how to use them in a new way. And
1: let's let's give design sense of credit. I mean, like,
0: which where, is else, where you work now?
1: Yeah, yeah. And where else where else could I go and be hired for accounts, which is what I did in L.A. Hmm. and realize this is nothing like I did in L.A. Yeah, <laughs> and say, let's shift it up and let's just do influencer and experiential. And then, yeah. and they say yes. Is that what you do now? Yeah, that's what I do now. I, I, I walked away from accounts because accounts in LA and New York is pretty creative. You get to do, you get to be a part of the whole campaign process. Mm-hmm. You, you, pl- you wear many hats. You wear the hat of talking back and forth with the client. You wear the hat of. Yeah. You interface between the client
0: and the creative team.
1: Yeah. And, but you also wear the hat of, of strategist mm. here. It's very defined roles. And in, in New York and LA, those lines blur all the time and that's Mm -hmm. the way they want it Mm -hmm. here. It's very defined roles and accounts is just talking to clients, nothing strategist Mm -hmm. or creative. Gotcha. And so that was not where I wanted to be. So I'm very lucky to be in a place that lets me to, they hired me, they brought me all the way out here and they said, Oh, this is not going to work out. But instead of letting you go, let's figure out where you work.
0: So that's, that's that's awesome. Props to them. for Yeah, absolutely. Joseph another dude. Brandon. I love Joseph and Brandon. Me too.
1: Like Joseph is, he's a good, good guy. He really is. He's very inspirational. So he's a
0: creative, the executive creative director, principal at design sensory, right? Right. Yep. And you guys do a lot of work together. He's, he has put you to work, not as just an influencer and experiential marketing person. I mean, you're on air, uh, uh, talent now you host a couple of podcasts, don't you? Or at least one that I know of. We do.
1: We, yeah, he's, he's put me in charge of, the majority of the podcasts at DS, um, me and my, and my colleague Hunter, we do all the podcasts and then we do the zoo show where I'm the host of the zoo show.
0: Yeah. So what's that like? It's, you're, so you're on camera talent.
1: Yeah. I'm like, of, of the wildlife for zoo Knoxville. So and that's
0: branded entertainment again. Again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All done in house. We just go to the zoo and just, we pick an animal a, a month and we just kind of make some fun branded content about yeah, that animal. And we're doing, cool. we're doing turtles next week. I can't wait for turtles.
0: Hey, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for turtles <laughs> after our conservation crew shoot. <laughs> exactly. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to see big Al. He's massive. What is that? Like a loggerhead? He's
1: like, he's like the sea biggest, turtle or
0: something? he's like
1: 150 years old Yeah, and he's just
0: massive. So I can't wait to shoot a whole episode around him. So <laughs> it to be fun. So. So you made at some point, I mean, you got back into the ad agency world when yeah. you moved here. You moved here to work at an ad agency, be closer to family. Is that right? Yes. To be closer to family and
1: just be able to afford a house Yeah, and live like a family. Yeah. And not drive four hours a day. Exactly. And work 10 more. Yes. And yes. sleep
0: eight. That leaves two hours for your family. I definitely have an amazing work-life balance now, which sure. I never had before. It's a lot easier to get here than it is in- and. <laughs> Bigger markets. Yes. Seems like. So so even though the even though the maybe the job that you were hired for mm-hmm. wasn't the best utilization of your talents, right. you landed on your feet, right? Absolutely. And man. now you've got a lot more, like a broader mm-hmm. kind of scope of work that you do. And it feels like they kind of identified that a little bit. They did and then, and then almost made up some. You it know, did. and it, said, it, let's, let's index towards these talents that we have. Absolutely.
1: A lot of the strategy skewed towards what can, what can Brad do? Right. Which is awesome. Yeah. Like, that's a
0: great place to be. Exactly. Yeah.
1: It was just like, what can Brad do? How can Brad add value to this? And it usually ends up being something silly, like telling dad jokes, which is what I'm really good at. So <laughs> which is why I'm in the, and which is why I'm on the camera or why I'm on a podcast because I'm just telling stupid jokes. <laughs> but you know what? Brands like that. Sure. So let's, ex- it's accessible. Let's exploit it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I For mean? Sure. Like while yeah. I can, let's just do it as much as I can.
0: So what are, what are some of the like active kind of projects that you're working on now that like are, that people can see and yeah, and, well, and people do see
1: definitely the wildlife. You gotta check out the wildlife
0: That's zoo, zoo Knoxville. zoo
1: Knoxville, very proud of it. You host a show. I host that show. It's on YouTube.
0: Um, what's it called? It's called The Wildlife. And they can find it by typing that in. Typing The YouTube. Wildlife,
1: yeah. Yeah, cool. Or Zoo Knoxville Wildlife, whatever. Cool. But it, it'll, it'll pop up. Cool. And uh, we, we've done two episodes. We've done an episode on the anteater, Tiana. We've done an episode on uh, giraffes. Hmm. And then episode three will come out in probably about two weeks. We film it next week on
0: Turtles. So it's quick turnaround. Qu- very quick turnaround. Very quick. Kind of vloggy? It's,
1: it's very vloggy. I mean, like it's, it's very well done. Like it's very well produced. I've
0: seen an episode and it's solid. It's,
1: it's, it's it's two or three cameras just recording me being goofy. Yeah. And the episode two was tough because we was right in the middle of COVID. So we had to do an entire episode with masks. Ah. Um, We had to be, we had to be socially distant the whole entire time. That's tough. It's hard to tell jokes when they're that far away and like, you can't you even can't see your mouth. Like so much of comedy is just me. Like my stupid face at the end, you know, Exactly. Like, so it, it was tough, but man, it's a, it's a good episode. They, they we found it in the edit.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Is that, so are you finding yourself on that show in particular, doing that a little bit more? Just, it's a little more improv-y. You've got more of an outline or is it, is it written? It's rewrite it. It's the, okay. It's improv is
1: is where I can say whatever I want to say in that segment, but the yeah. segments are written. Okay. We know exactly what we're going to film that day. We know who exactly we're going to talk to and what we're going to talk about. So it's up to me to be like, is this a time for a joke? Which is always <laughs> what I want to go with. Yeah. But I have to bring it in because, nope, it's not time for a joke. It's time to actually learn. So like, right. I have to bring that in.
0: You got to read the room a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. You guys got to check it out. It's, it's the
0: the production value is very high. Dude. I know you say that in jest, right? It's not bad. It's really not. It's good. It's good. It's good. It it is really good. Um, especially, uh, I, I, I I mean, the camera work is, is great, but also the motion graphics stuff is really good. The, the compositing and, uh, Ben Maxey, right. I
1: I, I, I was not saying that in jest
0: at all. Like
1: they're doing, they're doing great stuff. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I'm saying it in jest as like, it's just, it's a three-man crew, but what we're doing with the three-man crew is insane. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, it. I'm very proud of what we're doing. Good. It's really good. Yeah.
0: I think so. Yeah. Podcast.
1: Podcast. So we've got, we're, uh, we're doing, but- a, we're doing several podcasts. So I've got a podcast that's on a hiatus right now with, with my buddies, Chris, Bu- Chris Blue and Q, mm-hmm. uh, where we just talk about pop culture stuff. Yeah. We've got six episodes out. We're on hiatus. We'll do six more episodes in about two more months. Okay. Uh, Chris Blue, if you guys don't know, he's the guy who won The Voice about three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, 2017.
0: Yeah. Previous guest on this show. Dude, Chris Blue. Which, thank you. There were a few people who were (laughs) instrumental in getting Chris Blue on the show. Uh, Matt Honkinen, Sam Thomas. Yep. Ryan Levinson. And you and me. Yeah. I, I, once I got Chris blue's number, I I texted him and he was like, Oh yeah, Brad just told me about you. told me I should do it. So I think you were the straw that broke the camel's back. I think I bothered him long enough.
1: Chris blue is the real deal, man. He's awesome. He he is just so, so good at everything he touches. He's awesome. And he's just so talented and so Mm -hmm. humble. Good. I love him. I just love him. Yeah. So we have a podcast where we talk about everything from, is that amen corner? It's called amen corner. And the reason why that's, he's very religious. So that makes sense for his brand was Mm -hmm. the whole Amen Corner, but we actually became friends at the Masters in the Augusta. Augusta, and there a hole there. There's a hole called Amen Corner, and that's where we came up with the title episode. That's where we like were like, "Oh my gosh, I love you! Hey, I love you too! Let's make a podcast." That's so Amen Corner was 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 made from all three of us. And then Q is that his buddy, or did you know him? No, Q Q was is Chris's photographer every now and then. Mm. So. I got Chris to come out for influencer work mm, gotcha. for, for Augusta.
0: Yeah. Oh, for the, for the golf course mm-hmm. or for the city? For the, for the city. Okay. And I came out
1: with them and we just became really good friends. Gotcha. And Q has three kids. I have three kids. So we just hit it off. Yeah. So Amen Corner, six episodes out. They're very silly. They're very funny. But some of them are like, we go into conspiracy theories. Nice. We go into like random things like in the Mandela effect. Like it's, oh, it's okay. good. So it's you, good you stuff. Focus
0: on some stuff. It's not, Completely out there. It,
1: it's pop culture, but we focus on, we focus on things. Gotcha.
0: So right. I, I'm
1: excited for the next batch of episodes. We've got some things planned. I've listened to a couple. I'll really like them. Oh, good. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> so the Amen Corner is one of the things they got going on. That one's on a hiatus, but the next one we got is Best Behavior Creative Club. And that's how yeah. I do with a Chris McAdoo. And you host that one too? I'm a co-host of that one. Chris with McAdoo Chris. is the main host. And that's a marketing podcast where we t- we talk to entrepreneurs. Like trade, marketing trade? Yes. Gotcha. It's, it's very business focused. It's very creativity focused. Mm -hmm. So, you know. But more of an industry kind of listen. Absolutely. Okay. There's a lot of best practices in there. A lot of people who are entrepreneurs doing their own thing. And they talk to you about how they succeeded,
0: how they failed, things like that. Yeah. Cool.
1: And Chris is just an amazing host. I love that guy. I love that guy. He's, he has the gift of, we had the gift of gab. Yeah. He has the gift of just something switches in his brain where he's like, okay, I am going to ask you the best question. Like the, Dion, the Diane Sawyer question. Mm-hmm. And the the host is like, like tears up a little bit. <laughs> like he has that gift.
0: Yeah. I don't have that gift. I think I may have told you this man, but I listened to the one where you guys interviewed Joseph Nother, and, yeah. and, and Joseph was, was pontificating. He was like, you know, there's all kinds of, di- you know, different brands of water out there. There's, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's Evian, there's Aquafina, <laughs> you know, there's all this. And, Chris McAdoo leans into the mic. It says, goes, I'm more of a hose, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's, a, that's a funniest that the funniest shit I've ever Best thing ever. I'm
1: more of a hose, I, I, man. I, I oh to, my God. I had
0: to pause the podcast to, to die laughing for oh, about man. 10 minutes. I told him about that too. Um, Got to have him on here. Yes. Gotta have oh, he's got to come on. He, he is so funny. You guys do a great job together. Thank you. You guys do a great job with that podcast. And, uh,
1: that, that one's doing – it's doing really well. Good. So we got to keep it going.
0: And Hunter Foster?
1: Yes. Hunter Foster –
0: Helps you produce that. He does. He okay. he helps
1: produce that one and he helps produce a couple other brand of content stuff like Scribble, podcasts that we do mm. for, a, 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 for a travel – industry. Is that the state of, of South
0: Carolina? Yes. Okay. And that's like innovation type yes. of stuff.
1: And that's that's all Hunter. He does all that.
0: Really? Yes. And that's and that's more and you help him you help him produce it at all? Or I've no? I've helped I've
1: stepped in for maybe two or three episodes. But that's but his that's, baby. That's, that's that's Hunter's baby.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And that's cool. I mean that's that's talking about that's kind of highlighting um highlighting people who are doing innovative in the it's, innovation industry, you know, robotics, AI, it like is next level stuff. The epitome of the value that
1: a marketing agency can give to a brand.
0: Yeah, I feel you there. So,
1: Amen Corner and Best Behavior Club are just entertainment things. Right. What Hunter's doing is like brand work and it's so well done and really? well produced. So, that's a little different than what we're doing. However, I've got something in the pipeline that releases probably. Next week. What's that? It's called Explorable Podcast. Explorable. Yes. Okay. And it's a podcast for diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And the host is uh, um, Josh Loebner. Yeah. I know uh, Josh. Yeah. And also we have another host from uh, Expedia Group. And he's, Expedia? Expedia, like the- The, the brand? You, the brand Expedia. Cool. And So he's the co-host and his name is Toby and both Josh and Toby, are they're both blind. Okay. And so they have this- perspective that no other host can possibly have. Sure. So we interview brands, big brands and websites that are about travel and inclusivity. Okay. So that's, that's
0: coming up the pipeline. I'm very proud of that one. It's a very well-produced podcast. So, so very MPRE. I feel you. Yeah. So does that one, um, does that one lean towards accessibility Mm -hmm. and ability or it's, What does it highlight? It highlights accessibility. It highlights
1: marketing and how marketers can be more inclusive. Gotcha. But also, what are these big brands doing that other people can copy? Okay. That's the biggest thing. And Some of these big brands have all this money to innovate, to try new things. We want smaller brands and other marketers to learn from these big brands, so they can do that with their own companies, mm-hmm. their own tourist attractions, whatever they've got.
0: Gotcha. So yeah, so so I have, and and I'm just now realizing it. But you know, Josh Loebner works with you pretty closely on yeah. a lot of projects, right? Right. And he's big on he's big in the in the uh, strategy in the marketing yeah. world, and and leans towards you know inclusivity mm-hmm. and accessibility always. And I'm just now realizing that a lot of the spots that I've directed and shot include a lot of those motifs. I mean, I, we have, um, for instance, shot you know spots for credit unions or, mm-hmm. or or whoever, and there's someone in a wheel in a wheelchair in the yeah. shot, and we didn't hire an actor and put him in a wheelchair. Right. We we hired a guy who really is yeah I it, that's in a wheelchair to be to be to be that spot
1: as a producer that's or something that's role. that's something near and dear to my heart because it's very impactful it's very meaningful mm-hmm. It's not one of these things like hey you know, buy this lip loss you in know? yeah. <laughs> marketing that we have to do sometimes yeah this is actually something that can matter to people mm-hmm. and make people's lives better yeah and just the simple thing of including these people mm-hmm. in a way that's not pandering right means so much to that community and means so much to society as a whole i'm happy to be a part of it in any way i possibly can so explorable is gonna it's gonna be big it's gonna be the best i'm gonna say it now it's gonna be the best podcast ds has done really yes because it's the most meaningful it also has marketing implications and it's also entertaining
0: gotcha so i'm very excited about it it's gonna launch next week awesome so yeah i uh you gave me a sneak peek at the album artwork dude katie marshall Yes. Shout out to Katie Marshall. Total boss.
1: Holy
0: shit. Yeah.
1: That's all I can say about it's her. It's
0: beautiful. And her. It might be the best podcast album artwork I've ever seen.
1: And and she does it consistently. Mm-hmm. She not only does the artwork of the podcast, she will make individual podcast episode artwork. Right. That is just as good. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. She
0: makes a, a unique podcast cover art for every single episode, doesn't yep. she? I have to tell a little secret on Katie Marshall. Oh, I borrowed please. her for about thirty minutes, which turned into an hour. <laughs> please bill me uh, <laughs> to show me how to uh, work on my uh, to to conform my uh, to do the what? Sou- south of Scruffy. This? No, not that the the uh-huh. cover art for the uh, for the podcast and uh, and she helped me walk through Adobe Illustrator and, and resize some stuff. And and after about five minutes, I was just looking at her like, I think you're the most brilliant person I've ever seen.
1: It's second nature to her. Yeah. And something like that would take me hours. Mm -hmm. She does it in two seconds.
0: Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's 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 like technically beautiful, artistically even better. She's amazing. She is. We're lucky to have her. (laughs) You guys have got a lot of good people on your side. We really do. We really do. Yeah.
1: Our talent that we have in that building blows my mind.
0: Yeah. What else we got? What did we miss? Oh, man. I think, I mean, that's. Is that is that the elevator we, pitch? Or do, do that's the, we, we,
1: I have I have another podcast that I have I have to say something about okay. because it's fun. It's called Fired Up. Okay, it is a subscription podcast, so it's not like the other ones where you can just randomly download it. Right, but I love it because I'm a sports guy. I love football. Mm-hmm. I love basketball and we get to interview these sports and basketball marketing people. Oh, fun. So we've, we've interviewed some amazing soccer people too, as well. And like hockey. Is that
0: through Chris wise? Chris wise. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's like a, uh, a market research guy. Right. 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 Okay. So it's,
1: it's, it's, so we, we design sensory offers this, this research and, and development product mm-hmm. where, you know, sports brands can buy this product And we can show you all this data of how to get fans engaged. Mm -hmm. And that's what Chris Wise specializes in. So this is a very specialized marketing podcast, but I love it. Really? Because I get to just talk to these marketing people for the Raiders or these marketing people.
0: Like NFL teams. Yes. Yeah.
1: And it's just like, I get to just.
0: Kind of uh, front office kind
1: of people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so Chris McAdoo was the host on that, but now I'm the host on that. Oh, wow. So. You got demoted. Just kidding. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> so I was just always 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 in the background talking to people. I was producing it. But now Chris McAdoo's on to bigger and better things. Yeah. So now I'm stepping in as the host, so and the producer. So it's it's gonna be fun. So my first episode is gonna be in two weeks. Who's it with? Um I actually I don't know. It's okay. it's a it's a it's a soccer brand. Okay. I think I think it is Minnesota.
0: Okay oh don't they have a new uh don't they have a new mm-hmm. team up yeah there? okay uh,
1: don't i mean don't quote yeah. me on that but yeah. i think it's I, I think it's something like that i'm but winking
0: it, it's it's it, at you
1: it's a good it's a good sports brand yeah whoever okay. it is cool so, yeah
0: sweet man it's fun it's a lot of fun anything else we missed i mean Dude, i could just sit here and talk to you all day i know we could do it <laughs> so let's see 93 it's 2020 27 years Amen. Yeah, man i love you i love you too I really appreciate you coming and doing this. I know we've been talking about it for a while and I'm glad that you uh, made the time to come do it. Cause I know you got a lot on your plate.
1: It is a lot of fun. Yeah. My pleasure to be
0: here. Have a good one, Brad. Thank you so
1: much. You too, Ben. I love you.
0: Love you too. Well, that was fun. What a dude. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you guys for listening. And I want you to know that I would absolutely love and appreciate your support. If you guys want to support the podcast, a great way to do it is go to patreon.com forward slash south of scruffy, where you can become a subscriber and a supporter of this podcast. Appreciate you guys so much. Thank you guys for continuing to make this happen. Hope you guys are having as much fun as I am. Thank you. Take care. Be safe. Matt Honkinen. Play me out.